Hey, we're in this series, this, this PB&J series. Let me jump into this. Uh, for the last month, and we don't know how long we're going to do this, maybe all the way through the birth of Jesus. But anyway, but we're kind of asking God this whole, hey, when you thought up this man, woman, husband, wife, boy, girl thing, like, what were you thinking? You know, and, and when you brought them together and all that. And originally he described this, this thing called marriage and relationship as, as very good. So we've been looking at that. But, but we've also been looking at what, what has happened to relationships between then and now. Because for many of us, our experience with, with, with men, with women, with, with marriage, with family, whatever, could, could be described as something very different than very good. We look back and go, it was not very good for me. And the comparison we've been using uh, is this thing called peanut butter and jelly, that while you as a person can be jelly and be completely a whole good person without the need of peanut butter in your life, you're, 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 you're just great. There's just a true thing is that, is that some things are created, they're great by themselves, but when you bring them together, um, they, they become something different and they complement one another really well sometimes and it tastes good. It, it just tastes better. So really quickly, let me just kind of catch you up if you haven't been here or, you know, it's like, you know, you went to a ball game or something like that. You know, you know who you are, trick-or-treating last weekend? Because there were like seven of us here last night. But anyway, that's all right. That's, I'm, that's okay. All right. But anyway, and by the way, if you weren't, if you missed last week altogether, um, here, here's the thing is, go out there and get a CD. They're free. Or get on, they're probably gone by now. But, but then get online and, and, or podcast this because it's, it's just, I love this series. It's just really been hitting some stuff. And so far, here's what we've kind of talked about in the last couple of weeks is that God fully and completely made both men and women in his whole image. So ladies, you don't need a man to be a complete person. Guys, you do not have to you know, have a woman on your arm in order to be a reflection of who God is, all right? We, we are equal, all right? But we're not the same. And I'm not talking about worth or value. That's already been settled, you know, by creating God's image. But I'm talking about we're different. We're unique in our roles, in our sexuality, and in, in our gender. See, God could have done this any way he wanted. He's God. You know, he could have gone like, hey, I think I'll make him like earthworms and stuff oozes out of your side, which is gross. But anyway, he could have done this any way he wanted. But instead he goes, I'm going to make him male and female. I'm going to make him different. And when a man and a woman come together in this relationship that God created called marriage, God created called marriage or family, Within the context of that, he says there's some very gender-specific roles, and these roles are based on two very key ingredients that have to be in the jar, love and respect. And if you've got love and respect in the jar, all right, and in the marriage, things can, can be really, really good. And if one of them is, you know, overpowering or one of them is absent, I'm telling you, it can get really, really messy, food fight, right? So here's one of the key passages we've been working through uh, over the last several weeks, and we'll continue next week too. But Genesis chapter 2, if you have your Bible, I think it's on page Two, so you can find this, all right? But uh, this is like the whole creation thing. And here's, this is review for most of us anyway. The man said, and this is Adam, all right, in the garden. Now this, and this is what he's talking about is he wakes up and there's a naked woman. It's like, <laughs> I love you, God. But anyway, so the man said, this, she is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, which is the name of God and the word man combined, all right, Isha, all right? For she was taken out of man. And here's, look at this, all right? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. As God is describing, I've got an idea, and it's called marriage, and it's relationship, and it's intimacy. It's oneness, or, or akad. The Hebrew word is akad. The, the, the phrase that God looks to say, this is what I had in mind, he uses this, this word, this phrase, naked and unashamed. So this is intimacy, naked and ashamed, and they lived in intimacy. They, they lived a shared life. They didn't hide anything from one another because there's no reason to. 
All right? No, why would I want to hide? No reason to be ashamed. Well, I don't, I'm embarrassed by that. Or I'm insecure about that. I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid. Of, no, we weren't afraid of anything. They lived a cod with one another as one. So let me just kind of catch you up. And if you're taking notes, here it is, all right? God's plan, his directive looks like this. If you decide and you don't have to, you do not have to get married, okay? You do not, you know, I've got to be a complete person. I won't if I don't have kids or whatever, okay? Eh, no, no, no. But if you decide that I, I, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person, here in this one little verse here, this is what God says, okay, then this is what I want you to do, all right? Men, let go of your parents, okay? Just you let go of them. I'm not saying you don't love them anymore. They're just going to move on the priority list down, okay? All right? Let go of your parents and put your arms around your wife. Ladies, you do the same. You let go of who previously was providing for you and protecting you. Now, typically, that's your parents. Time out. Next week, we're going to talk about parents and in-laws. Okay? It's baptism week. They're going to come see their grandkids get baptized, and we're going to ambush them. So just bring them, and I'm going to kind of tell them, this is what the Bible says. Mom and Dad, back off. All right. So anyway, all right. So that's where you're going. Some of you are looking straight ahead because I can't look at him, right, her right now. Whatever. So anyway. But anyway, here's what it goes. Ladies, just like the guys, you... you you take them down the priority list and you turn towards your husband and God unites the two of you. And the word unites there means glues together. Changes you. You were one thing and you become something different. Bonds you into what God says is one flesh. That's what he calls it. That's why thousands of years later when Jesus was being kind of you know, poked and quizzed about marriage and divorce, he quotes those verses. And then he says, now if that's true, here's my conclusion. So, verse... Matthew 19, verse 6. So they, this, this couple, they're no longer two. They're one. Therefore, and you've been to a lot of weddings, and this is how we wrap it up, and then now you may kiss your bride. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And the word separate means pull apart. Now, we're not going to, we're going to talk a little bit, but the, the subject tonight is not divorce. But the point that Jesus is making, then, and what I want to talk about this, is that when two independent Totally okay people, all right? Isolated, all right? When, when these people come together and they become one, and God changes them, akkad, and then later, something or someone tries to make them two again, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt, right? Like, like, like peanut butter and jelly, okay? So, you know, here you are, I'm living my life and it's all good, and I'm living my life, and I don't know which one you are, but anyway, I'm living my life, and like, hey, hey, I like you, I love you, I love you, will you? I will, all right, I do, all right? So, boom, boom, there, you know, they're together. Don't get gross or anything, like, yeah, that's right, you know what I mean? But anyway, so here's the thing, it's okay, now, you're one thing now, you're a sandwich. I'm ADD, it's an illustration, I love it. Okay, so anyway, so anyway, so let's say you're living your life, and something happens, and whatever, you know, whatever it is, Something pulls you apart. You're different. You're, it's different. He said, you leave some stuff behind. Right? Right? And I'm not talking about peanut butter and jelly. I'm talking about your heart. Right? I'm talking about your soul. And again, I don't want to talk about divorce tonight, but here it is, all right? If you've ever had to go through a divorce in your life, whether it was your fault or somebody else's fault, all right, it doesn't matter, right? Will you agree with me on this? It changed you. It changed you. It took something from you. He, she took something from you. And I'm, you're a whole person. I'm not saying, you know, now I'll never be. No, no. It took something and left something. It will, will always be a part of, of your life, right? I got asked this question this past week. Why does this hurt so bad? Here's the answer. It's supposed to. It's supposed to. One thing, getting ripped apart, hurts. That's some of our stories. 
Second thing is, is this. If, if you've had to go through a divorce, a bad breakup even, they say, I thought they were the one and I loved them and then it all blew apart. I've got to be honest with you. That at this point, blame isn't going to help. Okay? So you could build a case and go, it actually is their, their fault. I agree. You feel better? No, no. There's no answer that's going to go, well, I feel good about it now. No, no, no. So there is nothing that's going to make you feel better about it. So, but it's, it's, here's the thing. Here's what I do know. I don't know what will make it feel better. Here's what I do know. Jesus taught that if you will ask him, God will forgive everything. God, God will. Any mistakes that you've made where you look back and go, I feel so horrible about my divorce or my affair or my whatever. Let me tell you, Jesus said, if you will ask God, he'll forgive any, any part of your life including this part. Other people may not forgive you. God will. Okay? But that's not all. That would be enough, but there's another thing that goes with this. Not only will he forgive you, and this is going to sound like a broken record because we say this over and over the last several months, he will keep his promise to you to give you grace and strength and mercy to get through this. See, some of your families are in the middle of this right now, and you're going, I don't know if I can do this. I know, but you and God can. He'll get you through this. He promises. He'll heal you up from your past and he'll let, help you to let go of it and move on and your past will not define your future. He'll heal you up from whatever it is that tore your life apart, whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault. And here's the thing is, there are a lot of layers to tonight. There's a lot of emotions that are going to be felt tonight and myself and, and you, all right? And maybe that's all you needed to hear. So he really will forgive me? Absolutely. A- absolutely. But again, I don't want to talk about divorce tonight. I do want to talk about oneness. God, I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about forgiveness. From God, for other people, and of yourself. But it set that up, okay? So I'm going to get to this in, in a minute. i got to tell you a long, like three long stories, okay? And they're long, all right? And by, by that, I mean, you're going to sit there and go, come on, i got a show, i got a good dinner, all right? I mean, well, shut up. It's, I'm the pastor, all right? So anyway, <laughs> and here's the thing is, if you'll just hang on, I will land this plane and tie it all together. It's what I do, okay? So if you can just hang on, I, I, this will all make sense in about an hour and a half. Okay, so anyway, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, okay, yeah. So here's the thing is, about three and a half years ago, I became the pastor of this place, and I, I shared my story about, you know, here's who I am, and here's my past, and stuff like that. But since most of you weren't here, I'm going to tell it again, all right? And if you were here, I don't care, go to Starbucks, all right? So come back in 10 minutes, all right? So my story kind of goes like this, and, and again, so there's parts of the story you're going to go, that's, I needed that, but the rest of it I don't really care about. So just, just latch onto something here, okay? So I grew up in this little town in Indiana. My dad was a pastor of this little church in this farm town, just north of Indianapolis, about an hour. And, and he was a pastor. I loved going to church. I loved it, okay? It was so much fun. My dad was a pastor. My mom was the choir director, the organist. My dad was the youth pastor, all right? I mean, did everything. We had a traveling choir. My dad would decorate for the church for Christmas. We had a, we had a Halloween haunted house in the basement. Pray about that, okay? So anyway, we had fun. But anyway, so, I mean, we, I, I love going to church. I, my house was like eight feet from the church, all right? You walk out on the sidewalk and you're in there. We had Sunday school in my living room, all right? I roller skated in the basement. I swam in the baptistry. Let frogs go one time. Don't tell my dad. But anyway, I loved going to church. I was a whirly bird. How's that? Well, you don't know what that is, but it was, like a, it was like this little cadet program where you had a beanie and you got awards for Bible verses, and I had them all. <laughs> Helicopter, I was... So nerdy. But anyway, so, so anyway, I loved, I loved everything about church. I just loved it, all right, um, until junior high. And I don't know, I, I'll be able to tell by the heads nodding in the room if you've ever gone through this, but we went through this thing called a church split. There's the heads going, all right? Meaning there's a civil war in the church where this half the church decides they don't like this half of the church, and they both kick the crap out of the pastor. 
that's basically a church split, okay? And it's over big stuff like, you know, who plays the organ? You know, stuff like that, big stuff. Who, what color is the carpet? But anyway, so, so big stuff that's really important in the Bible. Anyway, so I, you remember when you were a kid, and, you, and I know I'm remembering this as a child, but I remember thinking, you know, my dad is so tough, and he's so strong, and he can do this, and he can do that. And I never saw my dad cry until he came home from church meetings. And he laid his head down on, on, on our, dining, our, you know, dining room, our kitchen table, all right? And he cried. And I, again, I, I don't know if this was a conscious decision, but when I saw what the church did to my dad, something clicked. And it was never the same again. You know, I get asked, you know, like, hey, Jim, why are you always like slamming churches and stuff like that? Because I don't like most of them. Because they're really mean places, a lot of them. And something clicked in my head. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's a conscious thing, but, but here's kind of, from that point on, I made, this, made, made the mistake of the God stuff, Jesus stuff, church stuff. I kind of confused that with how I saw Christians treat one another. And they must be the same thing. And, and so here's what I kind of concluded is that you can believe in God and Jesus and all that stuff, yet you can still treat people like crap and do anything you want. Just show up at church, take communion once in a while, sing some songs, and you're good. To me, that's what church had become, to be a Christian. And that's how I ran my life. So that happened right at the end of my junior high, you know, middle school time. And then I started high school, all right? So I'm in the ninth grade. I'm living just north of Indianapolis. And, and down in Indianapolis at the convention center, there was a Sticks concert. <laughs> Come sail away. Grand Illusion. <laughs> anyway, all right, so anyway, so I went. I'm like, yeah, we're going, all right? So anyway, so I get in my car. And, all right, well, there's a bunch of upperclassmen. So we drove down to there. And, and we're there, and the concert's going on. And I'm a church kid. I've been to, you know camp and I've been in choirs and all that stuff and, and right in the middle of the concert this, this person passes me a joint and says you want to try this and I didn't hesitate let me pray about it brother no I know no 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 I'm like yes I do and I took it all right and I got I'm gonna be really honest with you and I'm not promoting anything but I loved it all right a lot I, it, it was wonderful all right and uh and again I I, I, that's my story. I wish I could go back and change my story. I, I can't. But I'm, I'm sitting, I've always said, if, if people you know, don't think drugs feel good, they bought bad ones. Because <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it, it was just oh, it's, it's great. All right, so anyway, it's, 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 they're not good. But I'm just telling you, shut up. Anyway, move on. So all the way through high school, I'm just being honest, all right? So all the way through high school, that's what I did. Church didn't work so well for me, all right? But, but I, you know, I smoked up everything I could. I drank up everything I could. I, I did some sexual stuff. You know, and I, I was in church every week. Everyone didn't miss ever, you know, and didn't feel guilty about it at all. At least not guilty enough to change anything or stop. Then I graduated high school, and I went to college. I went to this Christian college down in Tennessee, not because it was a Christian college, but because um, it was 500 miles from my parents, and in Tennessee, the drinking age was 19, and uh, my sister was dating an upperclassman in the party dorm, and I was in. So I went, and I hit campus and blew it out, okay? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I loved it. And uh, I, I, by, the, by the beginning of my sophomore year, I was on every probation my college offered, all right? Um, academic probation, 1.3. Yeah, all right, anyway. So uh, not a lot of scholarships involved in that. But uh, I was on disciplinary committee. I got caught in a girl's dorm, turned in by... Um, I didn't know this when I started dating her. Robin turned me in. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> then there's some other stuff, but I can't tell you because the statute of limitations is enough. And you think I'm kidding on that. I'm not. But anyway, uh, so anyway, that was my freshman year of college. And, I mean, it's just, it was chaos. It was just absolute chaos. And, but then, uh, then I met Robin. All right. Um, and she was a, she was a Christian. Uh, a real one. <laughs> 
And, and this, and I told you this story before, but let me just tell you again. I was on swim team in college, and so I'm at, I'm at swim practice one night, and then going, it was night practice, and I was going up and down, and all of a sudden I just hit this person. There was a person in my lane, and I looked up, and there's this skinny little girl, and she said, do you want to play sea otter? I'm like, yes, I do, you know? And it's like, yay! So we did. You know, blew up practice, and we played sea otter, which, guys, see me later, I'll tell you, it's a great line. But anyway, so anyway, we played sea otter, and then I walked her back to her dorm, and, I, and then a couple nights later, I asked her out on her first date, which was September the 19th, which I remember that because September the 18th was a Foreigner Billy Squire concert, <laughs> and it was the last time I ever smoked pot. And here's the thing, okay? Um, it's because of Robin. See, Robin really was a Christian, a real one. She didn't get drunk. I did. She didn't smoke up. I, I did a lot. Um, she did know how to kiss oh, really well. And so to be with Robin, here's a, because she's a Christian, I had to start going to church with her. I'm like, oh, no. That's why I moved to Tennessee. I, didn't, I moved down here so I wouldn't have to do that. See, I don't like church. I still hate religion, by the way. But I really liked Robin. To be with Robin, I had to go to church. So I started going with her. That was a horrible reason to date girls. So, but anyway, that's, that's my story. So we started actually going to East Tennessee State University about seven miles down the road to the campus house there. And I've been going there a few weeks, all right? And um, the campus pastor was this guy named Tommy Oaks, all right? Now, whatever you need to think, just close your eyes and think hillbilly. Tim, all right? Meaning, you know, he's like, you know, boots and flannel shirt or something. I'm not going to look. I'm going to make eye contact with you. But anyway, uh, beard, talk like this a lot. And you think, you are as dumb as a bag of hammers. He has his PhD. He's amazing, all right? And he began to tell stories. And I would be sitting there going, because oh, I had never, ever heard anybody weave life and Jesus together and have it make sense. So I started hanging out and getting in the back of his truck and riding up in the mountains and hanging out with him. And one day we're over at ETSU and, and I'm sitting and I know I, the color of the paint. I got it. I know where I'm sitting. I'm right down here and Robin's right beside me and Tommy's up here. And he starts telling this story of the C.S. Lewis book uh, from the Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. It's a movie coming out. I can't wait. But there's this one story in here and I'm just not into this because I'm cool and I'm still kind of sick from last night and all that. But anyway, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this story and he tells a story about this boy named Eustace who, uh, who began to think dragon thoughts and act like a dragon and go after the things the dragon wanted and, and just really acted like a dragon a lot. And one morning he wakes up and he's become a dragon. And I'm thinking, this is stupid. People don't do that. But anyway, it's a fantasy. But anyway, so, anyway, so I'm sitting there with my arms crossed and, and this boy becomes a dragon, which you got to be honest, that would be fun that, for a while to be a dragon. I mean, because I mean, who's going to mess with you? I'm a dragon. You know, boom, you know, whatever that is. And you can fly. You can start campfires. I mean, you can rip trees up. And stuff. So it's really, really, really cool. Um, but after a while, being a dragon, you're just really this big lizard and nothing's the same. And you can't be with your friends anymore and you can't be with your family anymore and just nothing is the same. And being a dragon, come to find out, is actually a very, very lonely thing. But how do you stop being a dragon? I understand how you get there. How do you stop? So one day, and I, so I'm listening, and I, this is interesting. So I'm a few minutes in the story. One day, Eustace the dragon is walking through this forest, and he's really, really, really sad because he doesn't want to be a dragon anymore, and he comes face to face with this lion, giant lion, and he's afraid. And I don't know why he's afraid, because he's a dragon, and it's a lion, and dragons can whip a lion. I mean, it's just, just do the math. I mean, it's just true. But he's just afraid, and the, and the lion says, follow me. He's all right. So he follows him through the woods and he throws him through the mountains until they finally come to this pool of water. And, and, and Eustace had this burning inside of him because fire is inside of him. And he wants to get in the water, but the lion stops him and says, you have to get undressed before you get in. He's like, I'm a, I'm a dragon. You know, I'm a li- I don't. And then he's like, ah, I'm a reptile. And I can take my skin off. So he starts clawing from head to toe and all the way down. And he gets all these scales off and he puts them there and he's like, ah, now. 
And there's another layer underneath. So he starts ripping that off and tearing in as much as best he could. And there's another, there's a big pile and there's another layer underneath. And he does this until he's exhausted. And then he looks back at the lion like, what? And the lion says, I have to undress you. And that's scary. But he didn't want to be a dragon anymore. So what do you do? So the lion comes across, takes his claws, and Eustace says, he, he plunged him into my chest all the way down to my heart. And he began to rip and tear, and it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt in my life. Now I'm leaning forward in my chair. It hurt. It hurt. I couldn't stand it. And the only way that I could even make it through this was feeling all that dragon stuff come off. And then the lion reaches down inside of all that, that dragon, and he pulls the boy out, and he throws him in the water. And he comes up out of the water again, and he's a boy. And now I'm not breathing. Because I'm sitting there going, that's me. That's me. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know much about what happened after that, except I remember sitting in that chair making a deal with God that goes like this. God, if you could undrag in my life, you could have it. You can have my life because I don't know what to do. And, and that moment, things in my life changed. Not altogether. So, some stuff right away, but most of the big stuff anyway, took a long time. But it was a moment in my life. I say, that's the most important, one of the most important per- moments of my life. The time out. Maybe that's the only reason you're here. You know, you're not into this marriage thing, this dating thing, this sexuality thing, whatever, but you needed to hear that story. Because that's you, right? Me too. See, in the C.S. Lewis story, if you've read any of them, the dragon represents a, mon- a monster that the boy had become but didn't have the power to undragon himself. Anybody know how to unscrew your life? Anybody know how to un- unmess up your life? Anybody know how to do that? Because I don't. And the lion, you know, Aslan, always represents Jesus. And, well, it's probably going to be really hard and very, very painful. I'm going to be honest with you. Only Jesus can undrag in any of us. Maybe you just need to hear that tonight. Now, I told you, that's story number one. I tell you all that to tell you this story. <laughs> it goes like this. A few months ago, we had this staff thing uh, out, out of the lake, and we're sitting there and, and it's sitting on the dock, and I'm talking to Doyle, who's one of our new interns. He's the guy that has, he has tats all over him, and he has these big, huge ear things. I don't know what they're called. There's big, huge ear things. And we shot him in the chest with a paintball on the screen. Right, that guy, okay? And so I'm like, Doyle, tell me about your tattoos, because he has tattoos all up and down his arms and stuff like that. And he starts telling me, and he designed them all himself, and he starts telling me about them. And then in the middle of this, he goes, this is my story. And what do you mean? He says, this is my testimony. This is the story of my, me and Jesus working out our stuff. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, aha, now I know what I want to do. See, I've always wanted to get a tattoo. I got this little bitty fish on my ankle. Anyway, so I, I mean, I wanted a real one. I didn't want to just get a tattoo, you know, that everybody's getting a tattoo. And I didn't want some stupid, I'm not going to say it because some of you probably have that. But anyway, you know, and, <laughs> I wanted to tell a story. If I ever got a tattoo, I said, I want to tell a story. And I want to tell my story. And I know, I know the story. I want to tell the story of how Jesus can undragon my life and how he can undragon anybody you're asking. I told that story I, no, to 100,000 kids over the last 20 years. So I'm like, I'm going to get one. And I got it in my mind. I'm going to get a tattoo. And it's this lion ripping open this dragon and reaching in and pulling me out. And, I mean, that's, that, that's what I'm going for, right? So I get home and I'm pumped. I'm like, hey, Robin, I'm gonna get this tattoo and, and it's like this and it's like this. And she says, what all the wives say, is this your midlife crisis, right? And, and I'm like, uh, well, you know, at least I'm not going out and buying a motorcycle yet. But anyway, um, 
And then we kind of laugh and then change the subject. But I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm hunting this thing now, okay? And, and I start talking to people with tasks. I'm going up to strangers going, tell me about that. And what's that mean, all that? And then my son Jordan, he plays guitar over here. He's got some tasks. And, and so he introduced me to this guy named Colin down in, in, in uh, Castle Rock. And, and I said, okay, Colin, so I got this idea, and it's this, and it's this, and it's this. And he goes, let me draw something up. And I, so he draws something up, and I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely it. And so a few weeks later, Rob and I run in the house, or Jordan and I run in the house. He goes, hey, Robin, we're going to the Castle Rock. I'm getting my tattoo. And she's like, all right. So we jump in. It's going to be great. It's just going to be awesome. And so then we get in the car and, and we head down there. And I get the first installment of this tattoo on my arm, which Colin only had a, a few minutes that day. So it was just a, like a, a part of a lion and a part of, of a dragon. But when I got home, I'm like, yeah, is this great? And look at this, Robin. And she, and she tried. She, she did. She tried to like it. She's like, hey, you know, and that's all, you know. And, but Jordan and I, we're high-fiving each other. We're calling friends. It's like, you're not going to believe this. And all this. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be awesome, you know. And Robin's just kind of quiet. So then, so that was like Monday. Then Friday, Robin gets on a, on a plane and she flies, not because of that, but she goes, gets on a plane and flies to Tennessee to, to spend the weekend with our daughter who lives down there. And then a Saturday morning, I go down to Castle Rock and I get version number two or like part two because it takes a lot of parts to do this thing, all right? And so he starts doing all this line work and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh. And so this little two-headed thing becomes a, like, uh, it's, it's, big. it's, it's really big. And anyway, uh, and so I, I, I get it and I'm like, this is just incredible. So I get home and I do what all men would do. Um, I post it on Facebook. Yeah, there it is. And, um, yeah, it hurt this right here. But anyway, but anyway, so I, so that hun- my hundreds of friends can know, you know, my attempt to share the wonderful word of Jesus with everybody. Um, and thank you for your comments on Facebook, by the way, especially the guy who's quoted old Testament law to me. That's awesome. All right, anyway, that aren't in effect any, any, anymore. But anyway, hey, on our, on our website, by the way, because I know we have mixed feelings about tattoos in here, okay? That's not what this is about. But I, I put a document on there that I wrote. It's just kind of my take on the whole tattoo thing. And so you can go and, and then before you email me. But anyway, so anyway, so that's, that's kind of the story of what was going on that. Now, everybody with me? I told you it was going to be long. All right, so here's the next story. So this is going somewhere. So the next, so Robin's in Tennessee, all right, and, uh, and, and, and I, I get on a plane, and I fly to Louisville, Kentucky for a Sozo meeting, that Afghanistan thing we're doing. And while I'm in Louisville, and Robin is down with Allison, my daughter, in Tennessee, my daughter Allison gets on Facebook and pulls up a profile, which is now my profile picture, and goes, ah, mom, all right, and Robin comes running in there. And by, Allison, if you're listening online, Jordan's my favorite. By the way, okay, now, so, anyway. There he is, back on camera, all right, so. So, anyway, so I'm sitting in my hotel room, probably reading the Bible, I don't remember, but anyway, I'm, I'm, reading, I'm sitting in my hotel room, and the phone rings, and it's Robin, and I pick it up, I'm like, hey, babe, and she says, hey, Jim, what are you doing? I'm like, what, <laughs> you know, and she's not mad, and she's, she's, she's not crying, she just sounds kind of sad, I'm like, what, what, what do you mean, what am I doing? She's this tattoo thing. Like, what are you talking about? I, I mean, I, I told you about it. She said, no, you, I had no idea. No, 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 I, I told you this and my idea. And she goes, yeah, I, I know. I heard you talking to a lot of other people about it. And when you came home with it and you and Jordan were so excited about it, I'm not going to be the one that kind of says why or no or whatever. Then I come off looking like a total witch, right? And I, she goes, I, I, that's not fair. I'm just not going to do it. And, and I said, but Robin, it's, it's my story. Me and Jesus, she goes, Jim, I know it's your story. I was sitting beside you. And I love the story. But, and here it is. It just really makes me sad. I'm like, why? 
She says, because you left me out of a really major decision in your life. And then she did something well. All right? You know, I'm always saying, don't go out here and start quoting Bible verses at one another. Because God's word is never meant to be used as a weapon against one another. But there is a way to do it in a right way. So she brought up some, 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 some stuff out of the Bible. She says, I, I thought we were going for the one flesh. And she said, you know, and we're going to look at this later. She goes, and I thought that my body was your body and your body, including your arm, was my body. And you did that without me. And now I feel horrible. So I'm sitting there and I kind of feel like a piece of crap. And I, I'm like, I start apologizing. And Robin says, I, you know, I forgive you, but it just makes me sad. And I'm like, but now, I really love this tattoo. But now every time I look at it, I'm not going to think about me and Jesus reconnecting. I'm going to think about how I was, I was just a jerk to my wife. And Robin's like, no, no, no. I, I want to love it too. You just got to give me some time. And it just really hurt my feelings. And I'm like, Bleh. So I hang up the phone. I'm sitting there in my hotel room. And I'm like, this is, just sucks. I don't, I'm just sitting there and I have an aha moment. And here's what I mean is that I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, I just had a horrible conversation with my wife. And really, on the scope of world tragedies and marital you know, unhappiness, this is really minor, okay? I'll give you that, okay, all right? But here's where my mind went, laying there in that hotel room by myself. It's like, all right, if this stinks this bad, how bad does it feel to have this conversation? Hey, Robin, I gotta tell you something. I had sex with somebody else. Or I got, uh, I got busted at work. What for? Uh, look at porn on my computer. I, I need you to come pick me up. Why? I got arrested. What have you done? And I'm laying there in my bed. And I'm thinking, right, this is nothing. I'm just saying, how does that feel? And sometimes that's our stories, you know? We've had those conversations. We've, we've been on those, those things. And I'm just sitting there. And I, 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 I promise, I, I'm just sick at, at, my, at my stomach, you know? See, I don't ever want to have that conversation with Robin. I don't ever want to sit my kids down or my parents down. I don't ever want to stand on this stage and, go and say, I, I got to tell you guys something. I don't want to be one more pastor who screws up their marriage or their family or their church because they screwed the wrong person. I just don't want to do that. And you say, Jim, take a breath. It's a tattoo. It, it's more than that. Do you understand? This is not about a tattoo. I know we have mixed feelings. Just don't get hung up on that. You know what this is about? It's about taking another step down a road living my life independent from, isolated from my wife. It's me facing this way, and Robin is over there. See, I, I know, I'm not going to condescend at all, just think that this is the same thing as having an affair. But again, this isn't about tattoos. It's about making choices and decisions in isolation. It's about doing or wanting to do or making choices. I'm going to do what I want to do, independent of the other person in the equation that God said, you're one, and that's a bad road. It's a dangerous road, isn't it? Start walking down. And I never want to have that phone call. I never want to have that conversation. Hey, Robin, I got to tell you something that's going to blow up our whole life. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not. Whatever it takes, I'm just not going to do it. See, I have never met, as a pastor who counseling a lot of couples, right? I have never met anyone who jacked up their marriage or their sexuality or their family because one day they made one bad decision. Right? I mean, look in the rearview mirror of your life, right? It was a long string of bad decisions. Then most of them are like, this isn't that big of a deal, and this is nothing, and this isn't very, very, very important. But you add them all up, and eventually it takes you down a road to one decision that blew up everything. But let's be honest, you, me, we, they, whatever, we've been walking that road for a long, a long time, heading that direction. What direction? Apart. Apart. One living like two, not two living like one, right? And that's some of our stories. We were divorced long before we filed. Right? This is true. 
See, and this is what Paul writes about. That He writes to people who have chosen. You don't have to get married, all right? But he's writing this to people who have chosen to do this thing called marriage and jump into a relationship. And he's talking about sex here, but don't get hung up on that. He's actually talking about intimacy because there's a greater principle involved here. Look at this on the screen. It says this. He says, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And he's talking about sex here. I mean, in context, that's what it is. And likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife's body, here it is. This is what Robin's talking about. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body, including your arm, all right, does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. So don't deprive each other. And he's talking about sexual intimacy. Don't deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time, a limited time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. There's times when you've got to go, I've got to get some stuff worked out with God. Just give me some space. Okay. But then, next sentence, then come back together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And here's the principle in here. Here's what God is teaching us tonight, warning us about in these verses. See, the greatest danger to your relationship, to your, to your romance, to your, to your marriage, to your family is not an affair. It's not a mistake you made one Thursday. It's not, it's not, it's not an addiction. You know what the biggest danger to your, your family and your, and your life blowing up? Isolation and independence from one another. Everything else is a symptom of that. That's the road that got you to whatever it is finally ended up in court, right? Just look in the rearview mirror. Doesn't that make sense? It was a long time of just making decisions on my own, without him or without her. See, oneness, God, marriage, is not surrendering your identity. Like, I guess I'm not even a person anymore. I'm just part of, you know. It's not about surrendering your wants or your desires or your hopes or your dreams. That is not what relationship is about. It's about surrendering the idea of pursuing or running after your hopes and dreams in isolation. See, you're a whole complete person that God made you to be. But when you get married, you're just not alone anymore. And if you keep on trying to act like you're alone or live like you're alone or make decisions like you're alone, trust me, eventually, inevitably, you will be. You will be. Sometimes literally, but always, eventually, emotionally, you'll be alone and lonely. Relationally, and that's a dangerous place because when you're lonely, you make bad decisions. Right? So what are we going to do? I mean, that describes a lot of our stories, mine included, all right? So what are we going to do? Men, women, boys and girls haven't been married yet, but they're looking down, but they're looking at their parents or whatever, husbands, wives. What are we going to do? See, from this point on, what are we going to do? I don't know what your history is like. I don't know what your parents did. And I don't even know what's going on in your life right now. My question is, what do we do from this point forward? What are we going to do from now on? What do you mean? All right, here's, a, here's the hardest question I probably said. Ready? Here it goes. Is there something or what is it going on in your life right now. And let's go back to last week. You know, Scott talked about being naked and ashamed. Is there, or what is there going on in your life right now, right now, that you're doing or pursuing or planning or hiding that if it was exposed, if it was brought into the light, if someone found out about it, especially your family, it has the potential to not just embarrass you or shame you or make you feel really guilty, that would land on everybody around you and devastate their lives. What's going on in your life right now tonight? What is it? You're saying, well, that's no big deal. I can handle it. I mean, it's, it's this, and you can rationalize it. Let's just be honest. If it keeps going, let it play out another week or another month or another year. It has the potential to lead to a really, really horrible conversation, right? Let me ask you this. Would independence and isolation describe your marriage, your home, your family, your relationship between your parents, relationship between your husband and wife, whatever that is? Has Akkad left the building? Been replaced by, I'd do my own thing. No one tells me what to do. 
I don't have to ask permission for this. It's none of their business. Well, here's what God says in his word. Be careful. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time until one of you gives up or gives in or checks out. So again, what do we do? This is the best advice I've ever given out here, okay? Ready? Write this down. Wake up. Oh, that's so wise. Yeah. What do you mean? Wait. I mean, use your head. Think. Think now. Rather than saying, again, as a pastor, don't, don't ever have to say what every person has said to me in counseling who blew up their marriage or blew up their kids or blew up their parents. Every person comes in and says the same thing. What was I thinking? Right? We've all said that. What in the world was I thinking? Again, men, how many of our decisions, let me just talk to the guys for a minute. We're trying to prove something to ourselves or to some other people who don't really care, by the way, that we're strong or we're successful or we're worthy, especially in this area of sexuality and and masculinity. I mean, guys, how many of our bad decisions are linked to sexuality? A lot, right? Oh, no one could ever find that out. It's a matter of time. I'm not, ladies, you're not off the hook. How many bad decisions have we made? Ladies, we, you, all right? That's another story. But anyway, anyway. Um, how many decisions have you made because you were exchanging one thing thinking it would get something else and it blew up in your face? And you're going, oh, no. What, what, what am I going to do? What, what am I going to do now, right? Think about it. I tell you, some of us, we are, this is already our story. And if, it ha- if it's not your story, you'll go with this. The worst two moments of your life will be or have been in the past the nanosecond after you've had sex with the wrong person. It's like, oh, no. And the other worst moment is when you have to sit down with your family and say, I've got to tell you something. There's nothing else that's even a close third to that that I can think of. But what would happen? I mean, think about that. But what would happen if you thought about that now rather than on the back end? Could it make a difference? So wake up. Wake up, think, use your head. The Bible, the Bible word with that would be repent. Repent means change your mind and your direction. Meaning, that's, I, I know you're sorry, okay? Everybody's sorry, okay? But repent doesn't mean I'm sorry. Repent means I'm sorry and I want things to change. And I want to change the direction of my life. I want to, I want to live different. I want to walk in a different direction, a better way, how we say it around here. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes within my power to be a different person. And whatever I don't have the power to do, I believe and trust that God will keep his promise to do the things I don't know what to do or how to do them. Are you willing to do that? That's where the rubber meets the road, right? Are you you willing to change your mind and say, I don't want to live like that. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to have that conversation. I want to change my life and I want my relationships to go in a different direction. And you're sitting here going, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I can change. I don't know if I can act different. I think what you're saying is, I don't think I can undragon myself. Right? And you're right. I know, me too. Here's what I found out, is that the only one who can do that is the lion. And that's Jesus. And it hurts. I wish I could tell you, oh, it's easy. It's not. It's the most painful thing you'll ever go through. One of my favorite lines in the whole Chronicle of Narnia series goes like this. Is the lion safe? And the answer comes back, no. But he's good. He's good. You can trust him. All that to say this. It's not enough just to say, I'm really sorry. I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to do that anymore if you don't turn in a better direction. See, here, my story is this. This July, I've been married 25 years, and apparently I still don't have it down. I still jack it all up. I still mess up. And, but here's what I know about myself, and I think I speak for most everybody else in the room. We're all about five minutes away in the right, wrong dis- 
situation of making a decision that will blow up our own lives and everybody around us that we say that we love, right? But my story, and here's what I'm going for, I'm willing to admit I'm still learning after 25 years. I don't have a down. And I'm not going to accept that relationship-killing line that that's just the way it is. That's the way it's always going to be. It's never going to change, which is why I hope Jesus never start, stops ripping me up and tearing me open. Because I, I, I'm convinced he's my only hope and chance of not screwing up everything with Robin and my kids and, and you guys. See, I got a wake-up call in a hotel room from God over my tattoo. It's a really awesome tattoo, but it's just, all right. But anyway, here's the, thing. the message was this, all right? What are you thinking? You need to change your mind. Again, I really like this, but now I look at this tattoo in the mirror and I go, I like it, but it doesn't mean you're a screw up. It means to me anymore, don't leave Robin out of your life. That's a good thing. I like my tattoo. I love Robin. And here's one more thing. You don't have to do this if you don't want to, but you got to own your mistakes. Right? I mean, we argued back and forth on the, on the phone, and finally I was like, I'm sorry. Stop making excuses and building a case for but this and but this, and, and well, if you would do this and whatever, you know, if you mess up, admit it and ask for forgiveness. From God and from whoever else is that you've sinned against. And I use the phrase sinned against, not you messed up. You sinned against them. And if you ask God to forgive you, he says in the, the Bible that he will And if you'll stop being defensive, there's a good chance that that other person might forgive you. No promises on that. But eventually, maybe. One of my favorite parts of that dragon story is when Aslan's ripping that dragon open and I'm sitting down there and he reaches in, he pulls that boy out and he throws him in the water and he comes up and he's a boy again and and, and it's like he's he's washed all that dragon stuff off of him. You know what that is. It's baptism. Right? I mean, that's what it is. See, baptism doesn't save you or change you or undragon you. It doesn't earn your way into heaven or pay for your sins. No, only Jesus the lion can do that. Baptism is just this idea that Jesus had. It's a gift he gave our direction as an outward display that we're letting go of the past, changing our mind. And we're saying, Jesus, rip me open. Take all that you need, and I'm, I'm with you now. I'll follow you through the mountains. See, this tattoo doesn't change anything. It just reminds me, don't forget, Jim. Think. Oh, yeah. This ring doesn't make me married. It just reminds me. I'm one. I cod with Robin. Baptism doesn't save you. You know what it reminds you of? You already are. You already are. So let me wrap this up in a paragraph. Sin messes up oneness, a cod. And the only way back together with God and with one another is we've got to change our minds. We've got to ask God to change us, even if it's a painful, you know, tearing apart some stuff in our life and asking for and then offering forgiveness to the people around us. I'm done. So you didn't stop listening, but I'm going to talk to guys one more thing, okay? And you don't have to do this. But over the past several weeks, and maybe it's because we're guys, Scott and I have, we've raised the bar really high for men, for boyfriends, for husbands, you know. And I I don't apologize for that, but it's led to some really, really interesting conversations with some men who have asked Scott and I this question. How do you start being the leader of your home? How do you spiritually lead, lead your family? I mean, my wife's gone to church like, 20 times more than me. I don't, I don't know any Bible verses except what you and Scott throw out there. And how do I start leading my home spiritually? I got an idea. How about, how about this? Be the first person in your family to be, get baptized next week. Let me stop breathing. Lead the way. 
If you, if you, if you haven't been baptized, lead, lead, lead the way. Like, it doesn't save you. It's a statement to God, to yourself, and to, to the people around you. You want to show your wife, your girlfriend, your kids, whatever, I'm serious about loving you because I'm going to love God better. Then humble yourself and get baptized. Ladies, some of you are leading your homes. You want to be the woman of God? I mean, you've got to ask him to come in and rip open your, your heart and say, what is it? And then get washed. One more Bible verse. It's actually half of a Bible verse. I'm going to give you the whole one, just half of it, all right? Moses is, has all these people in front of him, and they're about to cross this river and go into this, this country they've never been to before. And, and he's saying, that's really, it's, there's some weird stuff going on over there. So here's the thing is, choose. When you get over there, you've got to make a choice. Here's me, and here's that. Two deals on the table is what he's kind of referring to, all right? So here's this, and here's this. Choose. Here's life, and here's death. Choose. Here's me, and here's whatever else you want to do. Choose me. And then he wraps it up with this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When he's talking about is for me and the people that God has charged me to take care of, as for me. So some of you are single moms out here. As for me and my house. Some of you are single and you live in a dorm by yourself. As for me and my dorm room. Right? As for me and junior high. Whatever that is, all right? As for me and my house and everything that I'm responsible for, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house. Let's say that together. One, two, three. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Two deals on the table. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a couple songs. And we went really long, but I don't care. God, I love you. Um, I'm so thankful. That didn't come close. There's so many things I'm thankful for. You know, I'm... I'm thankful that Jesus died on a cross for me. I'm so thankful that Robin drug me to church so I could hear that you're the lion and you can undrag in anybody if they'll just kind of open up and say, take me. And God, if you can undrag in me, I think I speak for some other people in the room, if you can undrag in my life, you can have it. Because I haven't done really well at running it all by myself. So God, that's our first prayer tonight. Thank you for putting a very gracious woman in my life named Robin. Um... I pray for our marriage and I pray for all the marriages. I pray for those that are dating in, in here right now that really the only thing that's going to resurrect and save these, these relationships is if, if, some, if we'll change our minds and invite you to jump into the middle of it and start ripping things up and it'll be painful. It may be expensive. It'd just be worth it. God, I pray for everybody on the front edge of marriage. They might be here and they're nine years old and going, all I know is what I saw in my parents. God, just whatever it takes, arrange some things in their life so that they hear stories how lions rip up dragons and free kids. And then there's still hope. And change our minds and change our hearts. Do whatever it needs to do to protect our kids, God. Are you safe? No, I think you're really dangerous. You, you mess with some really important parts of our life. And the only reason we would ever go to you is because we really believe you're good. And that's why we worship you. So God, will you guard our conversations that are going to happen between families and marriages and, and relationships and parents and kids and whatever this, the, the last minutes have, have led to. Will you protect those and be in the center of them? That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.